Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch, chop, retrofit. So, Chelsea, you have some news for us. It's not necessarily movie news, but can you tell us the update? I have four broken toes and a broken foot. And a broken foot. And um, this happened recreationally? No, this happened at stupid work. It's a work-related accident. and Me I, versus door. And you're currently rocking the Darth Vader boot? Yeah. I call it the RoboCop. RoboCop? All right, that works. Either one is very orthopedically sound. And uh, we wish you a uh, speedy recovery. Four to six weeks minimum. Four to six weeks minimum. But this is not a calendar podcast. Welcome to season nine, episode 22 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs like us decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is Interview with the Travampire. Yep. A.K.A. The Travenet of Dr. Caligari, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Pan's Traverinth. Oh, that one's good. Thanks, I like man. that I one. I like that one, too. Uh, and I'm joined, as always, here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, the engineer of this very show, Sean of Frankenstein, a.k.a. The Innochance, <laughs> a.k.a. Shawnee Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Yeah, that tracks. And also in our third seat... Well, most of her is in the seat. She's known as the regulator, also the cabinet of Dr. Chelligari, <laughs> a.k.a. the pit and the pendulum, a.k.a. Dracula. Nice. <laughs> uh, so further description of the show, the tagline says, watch chop retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies. Sometimes they're classic films with iconic actors. And then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. It's alive! Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. There's no way out. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. That'll bring us into our first segment this week, which is going to be movie news. And this is where, throughout our time between episodes, we try to pay attention to stories and other events that relate to our show or that our listeners, you, the chop shoppers out there, might find interesting. And unfortunately, it's been a couple weeks since a uh, proper episode. And so we do have three RIPs to report on. Three RIPs. And the first one is Melvin Van Peebles, the godfather of black cinema, has died at the age of 89. Uh, He directed Watermelon Man, He did everything on Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song and wrote a pair of Broadway musicals. Van Peebles died on September 22nd, 2021 at his home in Manhattan, New York at the age of 89. That's what we call a good run. And he survived by his sons, Mario and Max, and his daughter, Marguerite. That comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Next, R.I.P., Willy Garson, right? <laughs> Garson means boy. Is it Garson? I think it's Garson. Willy Garson, uh, who was known for Sex in the City and White Collar, uh, but also some movies. He's been in uh, movies like Groundhog Day, There's Something About Mary, and Soap Dish. Chelsea, have you ever seen Soap Dish? I have not. I think you would like it. Garson <laughs> died from oh pancreatic cancer. Oh, bummer. And uh, he died at home in Los Angeles on September 21st at the age of 57. So rest in peace and rest in power to him. And then this one, this one kind of touched a nerve, you guys. RIP, rest in peace and rest in power to an OG Travis. Tommy Kirk, the embattled child star who led such a turbulent life, beginning with his portrayal of young Travis Walton in Old Yeller uh, has passed away. An actor best known for his work with Disney in the 1950s and early 60s, most notably starring in Old Yeller, The Shaggy Dog, Swiss Family Robinson, and more, Kirk's career was derailed in the mid-60s after developing a drug addiction, an issue highlighted by a high-profile arrest in 1964. The fact that, by that point, the highly conservative studios were realizing Kirk was gay probably didn't help. He starred in several of the highest grossing films of the period for Disney alongside a series of beach party films for 
American International Pictures that frequently paired him with Annette Funicello and was named a Disney legend in 2006. Per Variety, Kirk was reportedly found dead in his Las Vegas home on Tuesday. He was 79. No cause of death listed at this point. Do you have a follow-up on that? I do, because last night, like, after trivia, I was just minding my own business, like, trying to let off the day. Uh And Sean walks up to me and goes, Travis is dead. My fucking heart fell out of my ass. I was like... He told me that, and I said... LOL, but don't play like that. Right? (laughs) Uh, So rest in peace and rest in power to those three icons of cinema. Next, uh, speaking of cinematic endeavors, you guys heard there's going to be an all CGI Mario movie, (laughs) like an animated Animated. Mario movie coming out, right? Yeah, Yeah. unfortunately. And the voice cast is getting a little bit of flack because it's very mainstream. And according to... Uh, one source, one Johnny Legs Leguizamo, uh, he's criticizing the all-white lead cast, specifically the fact that there's no uh, Latino in the lead roles of Mario and Luigi, which I think is fair. What do you think, Sean? I don't care. And uh, that comes to us from CBR.com. Uh, this one you might care about. The official Back to the Future the Musical releases an electrifying first trailer. I didn't even know this was a thing. It was has Back to the Future the musical already been on like Broadway and now they're making it into a movie? I don't know, but when have they started doing trailers for musicals? So that's what I mean. It yeah. must be it must be a film version of a play musical based on the movie. The musical adaptation of the 1985 blockbuster Back to the Future Marty gets its first official trailer, which promises an explosive, electrifying performance. The show has received glaring reviews by critics, and the trailer teases all the iconic moments that made the original film a pop culture phenom. So it's uh, fanboy jerk-off time. I guess. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be first in line. (laughs) That comes to us also from CBR.com. That's comic book review. Next, Warner Media CEO admits that the Warner Brothers HBO Max release strategy was rushed and should have been handled better. Basically, what he's saying is they pushed through this deal without actually informing any of the filmmakers that that's how it was going to happen. And then all the filmmakers got, shall we say, butthurt. About a little bit, yeah, and but I will stand by my position that it's a good thing that during uh, these times, and especially during the Great Quar, that there was the option to watch blockbuster movies at yeah, home. I've said it before. Do you want movies under less than desirable circumstances, or do you want no movies? No movies or some movies, because no movies means no work for the actors or directors mm-hmm. or producers or the crew. Also, if if you um, fuck around, there won't be any people to go to the movies. <laughs> uh, next, Sundance hires a new CEO. Joanna Vincent, or Vincente maybe, will leave uh, the Toronto International Film Festival to succeed Carrie Putnam. Vincente takes the Sundance reins at a turbulent time of change for the American Independent Film Company. That's from IndieWire. I would like to one day go to a big film festival. It'd be great. That'd be, that would be cool. Fun. Be great to be invited as guests. Oh yeah, we could we could be on a panel or we could do a live episode. We're looking at you, Sundance <laughs> and Butch Cassidy. Um, <laughs> Ridley Scott says Gladiator Two is being written now and will be ready to go after his Napoleonic epic. This is from the playlist. When filmmakers grow older, they tend to become less prolific, taking years between projects. Ridley Scott apparently didn't get that memo. Not only has the output from the legendary director increased in recent years, they just mean that he's released movies under the production name Legendary. No, he's good. Uh, Increased in recent years, he actually has two films coming out this year. The Last Duel, which I'm excited about, and also The House of Gucci, which isn't that Lady Gaga? Uh, Yeah, Yeah, and I think Adam Driver. Ooh, all right. And it appears that he has another back-to-back production cycle ahead of him with two new films after that, including the long-awaited Gladiator sequel. Were you not entertained the first time? (laughs) And that's going to wrap us up on movie news. Do you guys hear a phone ringing? 
That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Pow! Sock! Blam! You didn't make any mistakes this week, Chop Shoppers. Good job. Enjoy some extra time in the yard. Oh, and Sean, you got a bat in the cave. See you next time. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. I guess you could say we were on our bat game. And that will close the doors to the bat cave for the Department of Corrections Department for this week. That brings us to the theme of the episode. This is going to kick off Halloween season, basically. It'll be October when this goes kerplunk. Yeah. When this mm-hmm. bobs for the apple. Uh, and so this is kicking off our month-long Halloween horror series. And we, we've been doing this for a few years now. And it does become difficult to think of new topics to cover during this time. Right. Right. And so I, I kind of tried to think outside of the cubicle. And uh, we came up with one called Gothic Horror sometimes known as gothic fiction. And just the the idea of this subgenre was very intriguing to me. And I've always kind of had an idea of what that meant, but we really kind of nailed it down this week. And there was an article on Ranker, this Ranker.com, and this was their blurb at the beginning of their top whatever, however many gothic horror or gothic fiction Gothic horror, also commonly referred to as gothic fiction, is a genre of literature or film that typically combines horror, fiction, and romance. The first recorded work of gothic fiction was in 1764 when author Horace Walpole wrote the classic book A Gothic Story. Gothic fiction will pull on a pleasant sense of terror within the emotions and throw it in some romantic throw in some romantic feelings into the mix, okay? Two other long-standing components of gothic horror work are art and parody and melodrama. Some of the most well-known literary works of art were part of gothic horror, including most notably Edgar Allan Poe's work, as well as Mary Shelley. Um, And you can go to Ranker.com and that article is called Best Gothic Horror Movies uh, of All Time. So thoughts on the genre, guys. Do you think it's a um, worthy topic for Absolutely. our first? Absolutely, it's worthy October because episode? some of the granddaddies of of horror movies mm-hmm. kind of come from this 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 subgenre. Yes, and uh, obviously Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Bram Stoker's Dracula, and a few others that we'll talk about today. So yeah, I think it's legit. Right on, Chelsea. I guess I never really thought about it. Right. To be honest, but I have enjoyed all of the movies that I've watched. Good deal. And there are quite a few modern day films that still kind of hit in this wheelhouse. And we'll talk about a couple of them uh, in a few moments. Yep. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get things moving with our next segment, which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where we go around the panel and we each talk about two films that are within our subject at hand, this week being gothic horror or gothic fiction. And we discuss how they apply to the genre and why they would make a pairing for a good double feature. And Chelsea, are you ready to go with one? Yeah. Or two? Two. Two. Got two. Um, I'm taking 1963's The Haunting Yes. and pairing it with 2001's The Others. Right on. Okay, now I've seen The Others for sure. Remind me The Haunting. Have you seen The Haunting of Hill House? Yes. Then you've... It's based on that. Yes. And, which, and that was a continuation of the Bly Manor thing, right? In terms of the television sort show. Sort of. The, the Netflix series was based on the book The Haunting of Hill House. The Haunting was the first adaptation of The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Very nice. Um, of the two of those, which did you prefer? Um, Probably, I would have to say The Haunting, only because I'm really not a Nicole Kidman fan. Understood. Understood. Um, have you ever seen a movie called Far and Away? With her and her ex-husband, Tom Cruise, because I think that might change your mind. (laughs) Over to you, Sean. What's your double feature for us? (laughs) We'll let let Chelsea finish that death stare. (laughs) All right. uh, I'm going to start off with uh, 1922's Nosferatu, A Symphony of Horror. Okay. This, of course, is the uh, German expressionist horror film directed by F.W. Murrow. 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 
Murnau. Okay. Murnau. Gotcha. And it stars Max Shrek as Count Orlock. Yes. A vampire with an interest in both the new residents and the wife of his estate agent. So the film was produced as an unauthorized and unofficial adaptation of Bram Stoker's novel, Dracula. Correct. So no need to get into the plot because we all pretty much... It's the same. It's the same story. But, uh, you know, even with several of the details altered in the film, the uh, Bram Stoker's heirs sued over the adaptation and a court ruling ordered that all copies of the film be destroyed. But yeah. you can still find it. Well, yeah, somehow a few prints did survive, mm-hmm. and it's kind of become one of these influential masterpieces of cinema. I believe we watched it um, for the Werner Herzog episode, or maybe I I did, went back and watched it. Probably a, so, yeah, because, because Werner, did, Werner did the uh, the Nosferatu, the vampire. Yes. With his old cast of uh, mm-hmm. favorite actors. His stable. So I'm going to pair that with 2000's Shadow of the Vampire. Okay. And it's not a great movie, but it's worth mentioning here because it pulls its text directly from Nosferatu. And the events surrounding it, correct? Right. It's a metafiction film, yes. I guess you would call it. Uh, it's directed by E. Elias Merige. 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 It's written by Stephen Katz. It stars John Malkovich and Willem Dafoe. Uh huh. And Willem Dafoe is a good Orlock. Yeah, it's a fictionalized documentary account uh, about how uh, the Max Shrek uh, was really a vampire in real life. In real life, yeah. and uh, you know, the, Murno keeps his team in the dark about the uh, shooting schedule, about the locations, and the about the casting of the uh, the vampire Count Orlock himself. And eventually they kind of let on that, you know, it's a very obscure German uh, actor mm-hmm. and, you know, he's a char- he's a, a method actor. Yes. And he's only going to shoot at night. And he won't and break character. He's not going to break character and he's only going to appear in full makeup. So they really set it up that, you know, he is a real vampire. Um, it's 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 a fun movie. It's kind of silly. Um, I, I remember it as being kind of a disappointment at the time, but... In context, it's worth uh, it's worth checking out if you've never seen it before. Right on. I think that's a good double feature. They d- directly relate to each other. Um, I'm going with something called Corman's Poe Cycle. I've got two um, entries into that. And so f- between 1960 and 1964, American International Pictures let Roger Corman pr- produce and direct eight movies based on or inspired by the work of American poet Edgar Allan Poe and American poet and writer, I should say, for our English major listeners out there. Get it right. The first was the fall of the House of Usher or House of Usher, which we are going to talk about in a little bit. But that was followed by The Pit and the Pendulum, The Premature Burial, Tales of Terror, The Raven, The Haunted Palace, The Mask of the Red Death, and the Tomb of Legia. Sometimes Corman's 1963 film, The Terror, uh, produced immediately after The Raven, is recognized as being part of the Corman Poe cycle, although the film's story and title are not based on works of Edgar Allan Poe. So I took the second and third movie in the Poe cycle. I took The Pit and the Pendulum. Uh, I should also mention that seven out of eight of these movies also star Vincent Price. So The Pit and the Pendulum, based on the book, this is from 1961. It's got an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. And people were, people were amazed by seeing these characters in color because uh, they used the Panavision yeah. colorization. And it was, it was blowing people away. Uh, but we've got Elizabeth Bernard Medina, played by Barbara Steele, has died in the prime of life after her brother, Francis, played by John Kerr, wants to know why and her brother wants to know why elizabeth's husband nicholas played by vincent price and her doctor offer differing explanations but when francis learns that nicholas's mother may have been buried alive he begins to wonder if his sister met the same fate and when he comes to believe that elizabeth's spirit wanders about nicholas's castle francis investigates and is stunned by what he finds so i'm finding that in a lot of these movies that we're talking about, especially the ones based on Poe, there's a big buried alive theme, a recurring theme, mm. so much so 
that the next film is called The Premature Burial. I promise this has never happened to me before, Barry. <laughs> Baby? Damn it. Fuck that one. <laughs> it's called The Premature Burial from 2013, directed by Roger Corman. It's got a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes, and this is the one that does not star Vincent Price. British actor Guy Carroll that's his character, he's a British actor, is consumed with fear of being buried alive, which almost prevents him from marrying his fiancée, Emily. Regardless of his fears, Emily still marries him, but slowly starts to worry about his mental state. He becomes so obsessed with being buried alive, and he has that, what they would probably call narcolepsy now, but they called it something different than where you just fall asleep and you can't be woken up, uh, that it happens to him. He gets buried alive. Spoilers from 1962. Did I say 2013 at the beginning? No, I don't know. (laughs) Well, I accidentally watched the 1999 version of The Pit and the Pendulum, and it's not nearly as good, but there is a lot more tits and ass. Okay. So that's going to wrap us up on the Midnight Double feature for this week, bringing it to... Our feature segment, which is the recast. And for this first selection, we're going with the first film in the Poe, the Corman Poe cycle, The House of Usher, based on the book The Fall of the House of Usher by Edgar Allan Poe and directed by legendary filmmaker Roger Corman. This thriller features Vincent Price as Roderick Usher, a man who believes his family to be cursed by incurable madness. So sure of he is is he of his family's doom that when his sister Madeline or Madeline, 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 uh, played by Myrna Fahey, Myrna, uh, announces her engagement to Philip Winthrop, played by Mark Damon. (laughs) Roderick will stop at nothing to prevent their marriage and keep the Usher bloodline from continuing. Then there's also the very problematic character of Raymond Usher, uh, who... No, nobody's biting on this one. Raymond Usher. 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 (laughs) Say it right. I got to say it right. Uh, So the cast, we've got Vincent Price as Roderick Usher. We've got Mark Damon as (laughs) Philip Winthrop. I really did look up to see if Mark Damon was related to Matt Damon, but he's not. (laughs) Um, Myrna Fahey as Madeline Usher and Harry Ellerby as Bristol, the um, footman who's and housekeeper and cook who's always doing the dirty work for Roderick. Yeah. He's, he's integral to the plot for sure. He is. All right. So are we ready to do our recast? Oh yeah. All right. So over to you first, Chelsea, who is your pick for the Vincent Price role of Roderick Usher? My actor was in 1917 the courier dr strange i went with benedict cumberbatch i shopped cumberbatch benedict cucumber snatch all right that's that's good so i was noticing that um even though a lot of these actors were american it had a very british feel was that just vincent price like affecting (laughs) (laughs) i think they were they were aiming for that uh style i think just to make it seem a little a little more uh, highbrow than it really was. Gotcha. And um, we uh, we did mention American International Pictures, right? Yes. Yeah. They they were. I went down a, a little wiki rabbit hole with them. There was there's an interesting history there. Sure. All right. What do you got for us, Sean? Well, first of all, let's talk about Vincent Price and that blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, comedic, very funny, unintentionally, and 49 years old at the time with a 27 year old sister. Right. Mm-hmm. Much younger sister. Yeah. Okay, so I kept calling him uh, 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 Uncle Roderick, my my my, my daughter sister, or, yes. or whatever. But anyway, cousin uh, cousin brother. This for, for me, there was no other choice just because of the immaculate Vincent Price impression that he does. Um, he's forty three years old. He was in uh, Inside Out, It, Chapter Two, Trainwreck, and the Skeleton Twins. I went with Bill Hader. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, his his Vincent Price is second to none. Very good. All right. Well, so my first thought which was an impossible one was Alan Rickman because Ah. I think Alan Rickman was the heir apparent to Vincent Price while he was still with us. So you're not going to recast Raymond Usher? I'm not. Oh man, I (laughs) thought you would. Uh, And then I was like, well, who's next? Timothy Dalton. And I'm like, no, he's even too old to play the older Usher. 
So I went with somebody who is 57 now. He's been in a lot of things that would give it away. And I also did not write those down in my notes. His name's Crispin Glover. Nice. Crispin Ooh, Glover like is going to be yeah, I can see that. That's pretty cool. Roderick Usher. Next up, we've got the role of Philip Winthrop. And Philip Winthrop is from Boston. And he has fallen in love with Madeline. And he's come to uh, whisk her off for their life together. But finds that she she desires to leave but believes that she can't she's been so convinced by her older brother that she cannot leave and if she does then the usher line would continue and then be continued to be doomed for the rest of time so he shows up and he's like what the fuck (laughs) what's going on and so the character is philip winthrop and he was played by mark damon chelsea who's your pick i kind of thought he was a fucking pussy and a pushover (laughs) yeah kind of a little screamy baby okay and i think somebody can do better my actor was in the movie shirley the vanishing of sydney hall perks of being a wallflower Percy Jackson. I went with Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman. All right. So what are you saying about Logan Lerman? <laughs> he is not a pussy. Okay. Okay. Over to you, Sean. Who's your pick for Philip Winthrop? Um, I'm one of the 46-year-old actor, and uh, he's been in such things as uh, Colossal. Yes. The Angry Birds movie. Okay. We're the Millers. Uh-huh. And Ted Lasso. Yes. with Jason Sudeikis. So apparently... Uh, Ted Lasso costumes for this year's Halloween are trending. Of course. Uh, my pick for Philip Winthrop is 32 now. And in this adaptation, he's going to be somebody who's uh, returning home from the military for his bride, bride-to-be. And he is 32 now. His name is Max Thoreau. Thoreau? Mm-hmm. Thoreau? Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. He's my pick. Next up, we've got Madeline Usher. Uh, She had a real Vivian Lee quality to me. I I thought she was very pretty. She was in some angles and some shots and others. Well, she wasn't supposed to be in other shots. (laughs) Yeah. She's supposed to be like in a trance and possessed or other things that we won't spoil. (laughs) Um, So Chelsea, who is your pick for Madeline Usher? My actress was in the movie, the final girls, the bling ring, but where I sort of drew my inspiration from was um, her character on American horror story, the coven. I went with Tessa Farmiga. Tessa Farmiga is a good pick, dude, for sure. I like it. And she's got a horror acumen. Yeah. She would be good in this. And so does her older sister, mm-hmm. Vera. I'm going to veer over here to Sean. What's <laughs> Who's your pick for Madeline Usher? Uh, my actress is 48 years old. She was in The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Mm-hmm. She was in Zoolander 2. She was in Wonder Woman 1984. And she was in uh, The Skeleton Twins with her on-camera brother yes. in this film, Kristen Wiig. Nice, dude. Man, I, that movie's so good. All right, my pick is 31 now. Her name's Katie Findlay. (laughs) I really did not write down any um, movies that these people have been in, but that's her. Okay. All right. I see what you've done there. Katie Findlay. Uh, Phenotypes. Mm -hmm. Next, we've got one more role, and that's the role of Bristol. And he's like, but I swear I didn't know. Okay, I knew. You know, and he's always always kind of like... um, doing the bidding of his master, the uh, Lord of the Manor. And he was played by Harry Ellerby. Do we have an age on him, Sean? 59. 59, okay. And Chelsea, who's your pick for this one? Uh, Well, I don't remember because I closed the tab and deleted the thing, but I know I didn't really like this pick, so it really doesn't matter. All right. Right on. If it comes to you, then let us know. I will. Sean, what do you got? Technical difficulties. Sorry. That's okay. Um, I went with a 66-year-old actor, and it surprised me that he's 66. Mm -hmm. But I've been seeing him a lot lately because of uh, the death of uh, a certain actor. Melvin Van Peebles? No. Last week. Oh. 
oh, week before we, last that we will not mention. He was in Epic Movie. He was in Scary Movie Three. He was in Blues Brothers Two Thousand. Uh oh. And uh, most people would know him as uh, Sean Connery on Celebrity Jeopardy. Yes. With Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond is good. Uh, one of the longest running members of that cast on SNL. And so, he continues to be an employee now as their MC. He did He did take over for the original Don guy. Pardo. Yeah. Yes, Don Pardo. All right. Well, uh, I got an OG pick here. So uh, you, he, you got my theme, yeah. All SNL. Yeah, of course. Yes. And, and a... A hard lean on skeleton twins. Well, I kind of see them playing this kind of tongue in cheek, but it like, makes sense, dude, because of the crypt. Yeah, yeah. There's want, skeletons in that crypt. <clears throat> I want them to play it straight, but obviously kind of absurdist. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I like it. I I, I I yield to you, sir. My uh, pick you would know from things like ER and Goose. I went with Anthony Edwards. Oh my God. <laughs> Hold on. Goose. I got him here. <laughs> Goose. Can you name another thing? Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Miracle Mile. Miracle Mile. That's correct. Good one. Do you see the picture? Revenge of the doesn't Nerds. He look, doesn't he look put upon? Yeah. Yes. Revenge of the Nerds. You're right. Uh, all right. So final thoughts on House of Usher. I thought it was fine. It was. I a, liked it. it. There were there were some some schlocky elements, mm-hmm. but also some really cool elements. I thought the paintings of the uh, that's ancestors. another thing I was going to say. I saw the artist's name in the credits, and I didn't write it down, but they were one of the best parts. Yeah, of the they movie. were really creepy. Yes, I picked Tim Burton. Tim Burton. There we go. Okay. Sorry, well, that's a great. Pick. Yeah, that is. That's good. Uh, yeah, those paintings were dope. Uh, very well, considering it was. Uh, what are we what year are we talking 60 1960 they were a little bit psychedelic yeah they were and also uh i guess i should give a uh, it's a little bit of a spoiler but there mm-hmm. there is there are some blood effects in the movie and um for the time it didn't look like opaque tomato soup okay it actually looked kind of sort of like blood which right. i thought was nice because mm-hmm. Early 60s, you think of that really shitty-looking red paint and, blood effect. And Roger Corman wasn't necessarily known for his big-budget big effects. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get it so, done on, a, on the cheap. So uh, that's going to wrap us up on the first part of our feature segment. And we're going to head into intermission, but not before we say, Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some garlic bread. And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM, The Shop, with Travisito, the brew boss, and me, Chelsea, the regulator, where we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All All morning morning long! (laughs) And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on podbean.com. And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the chop shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah! Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck. Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger, Trontastic Ron. I'm going to rip his face off. Woo! And the defending champ, Little Thanos. You ain't got nothing, brother. I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition. So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail. 
where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemachopshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's, He's out, out of, of his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch, watch Chop Retrofit. <laughs> All right, we are back, Chop Shoppers. Thank you for bearing with us. And when we come back from intermission, Sean, what do we like to do? Beer check-ins. And we've got a couple that are on theme. What's the first one? The first one is from Fanta Flora Brewing mm -hmm. up in uh, North Carolina, and it's called They've Changed. They've Changed. It's an unfiltered double IPA, dry hopped with hand-selected Mosaic, Eldorado, and Azaka. I think that's funny that they say hand-selected. <laughs> they, they selected different hands <laughs> to put on the creature that they're creating all right so we're gonna try that and you said triple hopped double ipa yeah okay stop triple hopping your beers i just oh. i don't know i saw an article that said that no nah, normally you're gonna put Aren't they gonna make the hops go extinct though no I heard that they were endangered. Well, you got three stages of hopping in your beers. If you want to change out the hops, that's fine. Uh, oh, I can deal with that. That's kind of tasty. See, I'm not a huge fan of, of I love, I like Fauna Flora. I'm not a huge fan of their IPAs. Okay. What do you, what would you say the detracting qualities are? There's a candy sweetness to it. It's not bitter enough. Yeah. Not we're, bitter we're, enough. No, uh -uh. I, I detect. I like very, bitter IPAs. I detect a very candy sweetness, and especially at a double IPA. So that's, that that's the booze. Mm -mm. That's a challenge. Right? That's the booziness? No, that's the uh, maltiness used to disguise the booziness. Oh, I think it's okay. out of balance. Yeah. All right. Well, Chelsea, I will uh, leave it to you on what we rate that beer on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Oh, I get that power, too. Okay, great. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that that profile is rocking and rolling. Speaking of rocking and rolling... <laughs> We're talking about the 2021 movie marathon, which is an exercise in fortitude and diligence in which we try to watch as many movies as we can throughout the calendar year. The goal being 365 uh, or above and beyond. And we check them in online in various places with the hashtag 2021 movie marathon, unless it's not the year 2021, then it, that changes to a right. different year. Like here in a little while it'll be a 2022 movie marathon and last year was the 2020 movie marathon. we're not talking about last year <laughs> uh it is as of this recording the 273rd day of the year and i gained some ground this week i'm on number 268 good job i'm at 300 on the button on the button i'm at 334 i misspoke i'm on 267 i was hoping to get in one more movie when i typed in this number but it didn't happen so one sorry 267 is my number say yours again 334 334 that means you've got 31 to go yeah that's a month that's a month's worth of movies if you only watched one a day no my goal is to have it done by my birthday all right well speaking of goals do you have the goal of telling us your first check-in uh yes i do i watched crimson peak Ooh, i like this one yeah i really liked it um it's beautiful to look at very much so it's creepy but what really got me i think was the house of usher mm -hmm. there's some parallels there definitely is there's a lot of um kind of homage to yeah that. and we are talking about um a movie that was directed by Guillermo del Toro, correct? Yes. yes. And um, we were talking off mic about how a bunch of his movies seem to be influenced by specific gothic horror films. Can you cite some examples, Sean? Yeah, um, Shape of Water, 
the creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. There are elements of Kronos that are directly from Bela, uh, Bela Lugosi, <laughs> Prom Stoker's Dracula. From Bela Lugosi's Dracula. <laughs> from Bela Dracula. Lugosi himself. <laughs> no, uh, from Dracula. Uh, we were surmising what would be the elements from Devil's Backbone and uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, and I said A Midsummer Night's Dream, but that's not that's gothic. That's not gothic horror <laughs> at all. But, uh, you know, he does... It, 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 he does it well you know he borrows but not in a stealing kind of way no very much it's a, very it's very, very much his own yeah. inspired and you know again in this movie uh just he does a great job of just making gore seem exquisite and yeah. it does star the um the, Tom, Tom the, Loki, the yeah. Loki man himself, uh, my okay. pick for the next James Bond, as I'm on record as saying, uh, and as well as Mila Wachowski. W- Wachowski. And, yeah. then, and then she was Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, and then yes. Jessica Chastain is in yes. it, as is uh, Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam, who we spoke about last week at length. Um, so we don't talk Sean, about last week. Did Sean tell you that uh, I failed to mention that like Lion's Rat Tail, my lower back hair is the source of my power? <laughs> I did not tell her that. <laughs> uh, oh okay, so it's over to me. My it's, first. It's well, you go ask I'm me sorry? whatever. I thought it was. I thought you just did. Yours. I was no. She no, did. he just like hijacked. I was just, mine. No, I was just making a comment. All right, back it up. Where are we at? Um, I'm gonna Sean's turn. Yeah, I'm gonna do Rebecca. Uh, this is from 1940. It's Alfred Hitchcock's first American film, okay. and it's considered to be a gothic horror movie. But there is, there are no real ghosts. There is mm-hmm. no haunted house. There is no actual horror. Uh, it's a whirlwind romance, typical of the time. You've got a girl who falls in love with a very wealthy man from England, and uh, she goes and she marries him, and they go back home to his house, Mandolin, which is the sprawling mansion. And wait, she, is it the Mandel Inn. No. She finds out that uh, he is widowed. Uh, His wife, Rebecca, died just a year ago. And when they arrive at the house, the entire west wing of the home is shut off. Mm -hmm. They live in the east wing. And the... All the the, the the house staff are are so uh, respectful and um, reverent about Rebecca. Right. That that becomes the ghost the ghost the, the, the memory just, of the memory her. of her and the high esteem that they hold her in becomes this ever present almost oppressive ghost like presence yes and um sorry to spoil a movie from 1940 the house is also becomes kind of like a haunted encasing as well and in the end burns down to the ground taking with it the head of the household the mm. the, the head maid so there are gothic horror mm-hmm. elements in an otherwise not in horror film so they did make a remake with this and who was in it um heir, heir to the arm and hammer fortune yeah army and hammer and lily, lily james lily james now is this Pre or post cannibalism? For I think it was <laughs> during it. He may have been eating on set. Yeah, he was eating Lily James' toes. Uh, my first check-in is going to be number two fifty-seven, and it's called Hercules Returns, and it is not the sequel to Hercules in New York, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, this is from twenty. Excuse me, nineteen ninety-three. This is the tagline: Funnier than Gandhi. Sexier than The Little Mermaid, shorter than Dances with Wolves. A movie buff and theater scrub quits his job and tries to revitalize an old cinema. The opening film, Hercules Returns, arrives without subtitles, and the employees improvise a hilarious dub over. Oh my God. That's cute. Yeah, it's it's a movie man's movie. Gotcha. What do you got next, Chelsea? Uh, I'm going to do my second and my third together. Okay. That Uh, works. Back to my Marvel watching. I watched Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Marvelous. I fucking loved it. It's great. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Who's your favorite Guardian? Uh, Groot. Groot. Groot's pretty good. And so with Volume 2, you got to see Baby Groot. Yes. Right. Do you not want one on your dash of your car? Just a little. I want one baby? everywhere. Yes. He is the baby Yoda of that year. So cute. All right. Very good. And so <laughs> you you are looking forward to volume three. Yes. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to awesome mixtape volume three. Because yep. that's a oh. full playlist for trivia. <laughs> that's great. Over to you, Sean. All right. I am checking in malignant. 
And if you've not seen this, drop what you're doing after you finish the podcast. After the podcast. And watch it. It's on HBO Max. And um, it is directed by James Wan. Mm-hmm. Of the Insidious and all of those jump yes, scare movies. Yes, essentially it is possibly the best example of a director trolling Warner Brothers in history. Um, it's hilarious. It's cheesy. It's absurd. It's over the top. There are elements of homage to the film Basket Case. Um, What's I, in the basket? You can't. I can't say much more than that because it would be giving away too much. It is an off the rails wild ride, and it's it. I was laughing and loving it the whole time. Very nice. Excuse me. My uh, next check in is number two sixty one for me. And it's called Birds of Paradise. And it's either on Netflix or Prime. It's on one of those. And it's from 2021. Here's the tagline. Betrayal is a dance. Oh. Betrayal is a dance. Two dancers at an elite ballet academy in Paris must compete for a contract to join the highly coveted Opera Nationale de Paris as they confront their competitive nature, sexual awakenings, and how far they'll go to win. So, please explain to me how this is not exactly like Black Swan. Ha! <laughs> yeah. Anybody? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> yes. that tracks. It does. Uh, all right, next up, Chelsea, you got one more? No, oh, I did, did both of did them two together. And three. That's right. Over to you, Sean. Um, I've opened another beer. How are you on your levels over there? All right. So I've Get opened. On my level. I've opened another semi-on theme. Woodland pursuit. Oh, as though the townsfolk are chasing a creature yep. through the woods. This is a New Zealand juicy IPA from Humble Forager. Uh, now I've had a few beers from Humble Forager, and usually they are fruited sours. Okay. That taste like. You're, you're drinking the most exquisite fruit pulp. I mean, it's just okay. really good. It reminds me of 8th State Brewing uh, up in Greenville, if you've ever had theirs. I have. But this is a New Zealand IPA with Nelson Sovan, uh, Rewaka, and Matuka. Rewaka and Matuka. So I'm going to pass this over to you to pour while okay. I... And so your next check-in is... Yeah, my final check-in for the week is going to be a little-known gem that I discovered... Uh, this is from 1991. You can watch it free on Prime. It is called Zandalee. Zandalee. Now, is this subtitled uh, And Her Erotic Adventures on Earth? Uh, it should have been. It's got uh, Nicolas Cage. Oh, okay. Judge Reinhold affecting a New Orleans accent. It's got, a bad one, right? Yeah, it's got Joey Pants playing a crossdresser. Whoa! And it has, so he wasn't wearing pants. And it has Marissa Tomei very briefly. Mm. Marissa Tomei. Yeah. All right, I'm on board. But you said there was one scene that was full cage rage. Well, I'll get there in a second. Okay. But uh, yeah, if you if you take a look at the the movie poster, take a look at the lead actress. If you find her attractive, watch this movie because mm-hmm. you get to see her naked a lot. I felt okay. like we were in a relationship at one point because mm-hmm. I'd seen her naked so many times. It, so many times it became blasé. Yeah. But nothing says cage rage like sitting on the floor in your underwear and angrily slap coating yourself with black paint. Just black it out. Just black it out. Rawr! He should have used Flex Seal. He should have. It's uh, it's a shit show. It's not a great movie, but it's worth watching for some laughs. It, or if you are a cage completist. Oh, absolutely. All right, I've got one more, and it is 267, the most recent film I have seen. It's called The Pursuit of D.B. Cooper. And I somehow just fell upon this movie yesterday. And I, I texted you, Sean, or messaged you. I hung out with you. Uh, Google, send us that money. And I, I was like, did you know that there's a D.B. Cooper uh, speculative biopic starring Treat Williams and Robert Duvall? Wow, I did not know it. I didn't know either, but it came out in 1981. And here's the tagline. Who says you can't take it with you? Speculative crime thriller about infamous aircraft hijacker D.B. Cooper, who escaped with $200,000 after leaping from the back of a Boeing 727 in 1971. This was directed by the greatly named Roger Spottiswood. (laughs) 
and starring, like I said, Treat Williams and Robert Duvall. But you guess who? Guess who else shows up? Who? Uh, the principal from The Breakfast Club. Nice. Paul Gleason, yes, I think is his the name. Bull, you're gonna get the horns, young man. And so, um, also the the person who played DB, or I mean, that's his alias, obviously, but his wife, who goes on the run with him, was pretty smoking hot. And I thought she might have been the girl from Tremors, huh? but it wasn't. It, was, it was a different girl. Uh, but yeah, I am glad that I tracked down that movie and watched it in its entirety. And you can see it too on Tubi. Okay, cool. Yes. Nice. Send us that money, Tubi. Tubi. Hey, yeah, uh, what do you I, think about this beer? I think that this is, um, it tastes like I'm eating a bowl of, what's the word? Um, like pomegranate. What, what's the nectar and... I don't know where you're going with this. Me neither. Nectar, the fruit of the gods. Oh, oh, ambrosia. Ambrosia. It tastes like ambrosia. It's really tasty. Um, it is in keeping with their other, like I said, their fruited sours. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of uh, fruitiness involved here. I can deal with it. Yeah, I, I like this one better than the Fanta beer. We need a, a t-shirt line that just has a picture of a beer and it has me I wouldn't saying, kick it out of bed. <laughs> I can deal with it. <laughs> I wouldn't kick it out of bed for eating crackers. Eating crackers. Sir, I am a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback to our Steve Martin episode. <laughs> All right, so... Chelsea's losing her shit over here. <laughs> It's time. Chelsea, I'm sorry. We got to keep rolling. We're going long here. Uh, the recast continued the second part of our feature segment. And we're talking about The Curse of Frankenstein from 1957. This was directed by Terrence Fisher and has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Victor Frankenstein, excuse me, Victor Frankenstein, played by Peter Cushing and... Uh, People who don't know about his work with Hammer Films would know him as Grand Moff Tarkin from Star Wars. Plays a brilliant scientist willing to stop at nothing in his quest to reanimate a deceased body. After alienating his longtime friend and partner, Paul Kremp, played by Robert Urquhart, with his extensive and extreme methods. Frankenstein assembles a hideous creature, played by Christopher Lee, and... For the younger listeners, that's uh, Count Doku and Saruman. Uh, out of dead body parts and succeeds to bring him to life. <laughs> but the monster is not as obedient or docile as Frankenstein expected. And it runs amok, resulting in murder and mayhem. So uh, we've all seen the Boris Karloff one. Yep. I had not seen this version of Frankenstein before. Full disclosure, this is the first uh, non-Star Wars Peter Cushing movie I've seen. Okay. You know, I'd always known that he and uh, Christopher Lee made a lot of movies together in this kind of uh, the horror genre. And... Well, they did a bunch for Universal and they yeah. also did a bunch for Hammer. Yeah. So uh, this was my first one. So I was really The Hammer excited. is my penis. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, I was excited to see this and I liked it. I liked the science angle that they put on it. Um, I yeah. liked uh, the motive that they assigned to Frankenstein. He was doing this for uh, possible future medical advancements. Right. And, they, and having a mentor as a key character isn't that also the theme of the uh, recent Shyamalan thing? Oh yeah, kind of future medical advancements. Kind of yeah. yeah, But like having a, having a, a mentor really kind of helped the story along. He wasn't so mm -hmm. lonely and and just deranged. You had this guy that kind of helped the story along as well. That's no what, Igor though. I was that's fine. I, I really didn't wish mind there that. was an Igor. I didn't mind that. Chelsea, what did you think about it? I liked it. <laughs> We can tell. We can tell how much you liked it by your enthusiasm. Uh, so once again, those roles, we've got Baron Victor Frankenstein, played by Peter Cushing. We've got Paul Kremp. Is it Kremp? Krimpy? Kremp? Krimpy? Kremp? It's like when somebody walks by with a plate of Kremp. Oh, my God. <laughs> then we've got Elizabeth, played by Hazel Court. And then The Creature, played by Christopher Lee. Um, the makeup was not so great on him, no. but he really, really leaned into it. 
He reminded me of Emo Phillips from back in the day. Say again? Emo Phillips. Remember him? I don't the know. Comedians? No. Oh, never mind. I'll cut Wait, it out. Is, is his first name Emo? Yeah. Look it, him up sometime. Okay. All right. So, Chelsea, who's your pick for the Peter Cushing role of Baron Victor Frankenstein? Um, my actor was in a movie that wasn't that good called Isn't It Romantic? But most people would know him as Lucifer from the TV show Lucifer. I went yeah. with Tom Ellis. Oh, that's a pretty good pick. Oh, it's great. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. It's the devil you know. <laughs> You're welcome, Internet. And over you, Sean, your pick. All right. So did you notice that uh, Peter Cushing, who's 44 at the time, somehow became older than his mentor, yeah. who was 36 at the well, time? Well, I mean, being a mad scientist will age you, bro. It's like <laughs> four years in the Oval Office. Yeah, and uh, Hazel Court was 31. So yeah, it, there's, some, there's some age things that I attempted to correct in my uh, recast. So uh, my actor, my lead actor, is 40 years old. We've already talked about him tonight. The gauntness, the long face uh, just really kind of screamed at me that we really needed to recast uh, this as Tom Hiddleston. Ah, Tom Hiddleston. Okay. I'm glad that neither of you picked my choice. And this was a no, uh, no-brainer no for me. And if you don't know who I'm picking, then you haven't been paying attention. Frankenstein's a no-brainer, by the way. Oh, but he, there is a brain in there. Yeah, it's just not the one they wanted. It's not the brain you want. It's the brain you have. And so I was I was talking about when they did the... Um, the Grand Moff Tarkin CGI thing for one of the newer Star Wars standalone movies, I believe. I think okay. It was the, oh, um, oh, oh, and uh, the the Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah. And I was like, they should have just gotten this guy. You'd know him from things like, I don't know, Game of Thrones. <laughs> His name is Charles Dance, and nice. he was Tywin Lannister. He's a bit older. But that's going to work. It's going to work completely like well. It. They're basically the same person. I dig it. All right. Next up, we've got the role of Paul Kremp, played by Robert Urquhart, not to be confused with the late, great Robert Ulrich. And who was your pick for this, Chelsea? Please lay it on us. My actor was in Igby Goes Down, mm -hmm. The Dangerous Life of Alter Boys, Cider House Rules, bunch of other crap. Cider House Rules. Um. Kiernan Culkin. Kieran. Kier oh, I always. Kieran Culkin. You always want to throw that extra N. I in do. There. You want to throw that N Culkin. Um, so I get him confused with the other middle Culkin, Rory. Rory. Rory's him. younger than he is. Yeah, but then there's a younger one than them. There's mm -hmm. a girl. Uh, but Culkins, man, you you can't go wrong with that. You're He's gonna great. You're gonna win with a Culkin. Don't be skulking around my Culkin <laughs> over you, Sean. Oh All right. Keeping with the age appropriateness of my recast, I went with a 52-year-old actor who is total face value but is also a great actor in his own right. Uh, you would know him from The Queen, um, Underworld, Rise of the Lycans, perhaps. I don't know. Mm -hmm. He was in Frost, Nixon. He was in Masters of Sex. I went with Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen is great. He looks he was, just like the He dude. was also in Sarah Silverman. <laughs> yes, he was. My pick for Paul Kremp is 51 now. You would know him from a lot of Edgar Wright vehicles. His name is Simon Pegg. Nicely done. Simon Pegg. Uh, it might be some sort of impossible mission to get him to sign up for this. Pegged it. <laughs> totally pegged it. Uh, next up, we've got the... Lady Elizabeth, played by Hazel Court. Um, and Hazel Court was very beautiful. She was also busty. She had that corset going on. And that influenced my pick. Can I give mine first? Sure. Because I'm already leading into it. Uh, my pick is, uh, you would know her from Game of Thrones. And also, uh, also... What was the other show she was on? She was on another show. The uh, Tudors, Natalie Dormer. Yeah. Natalie Dormer is my Elizabeth. I like that one. And plus, she has the Charles Dance connection. She probably can get the audition at least. Who's your pick, Chelsea? Emma Watson. Emma Watson. She's great in This is the End, 
where she comes out with a baseball bat. Yeah. That's a great scene. She can be pushy. Like I think of her in the Harry Potter, like a little mm-hmm. bit overbearing and just a big presence. Mm-hmm. That's how I yeah. view her. And she's right around the right age. Yep. Very cool. And she's British. British. Oh, can we do the game where we say Forrest Gump lines with a Cockney accent? (laughs) But Lieutenant Dank, you ain't got no legs. Life is like a box of chocolates. Me mom says you never know what you're going to get. I think you shut me up like 10 minutes ago because we're going to run long. (laughs) Your turn, Sean. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Go, Sean. No, 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 no. <laughs> nice one. Uh, my actress is 33 years old, age appropriate to my recast. She was in The Danish Girl. She was in Testament of Youth, The Man from Uncle, and Ex Machina. I went with Alicia Bikander. She's the best, dude. Next up, we've got the fourth and final role that we're going to recast, and that is the role of the creature or the monster. The thing that people often call Frankenstein, even though he is not Frankenstein, he is Frankenstein's monster. And that role was played by the great Christopher Lee. Chelsea, who was your pick? I don't think he's a monster, but I think he would do a good job. Um, He was in Marriage Story, like all this new Star Wars shit. I went with Adam Driver. Adam Driver is the creature. Yeah. I could see him like lumbering. Yeah, well, yeah. some of the stuff he did, like on SNL, mm-hmm. like some of those skits, that's where I was like, "Yeah, right you on. can do this." Sean, what do you got? Um, I went with an actor who is uh, forty-four years old, and uh, he's played an android before, which is kind of a Frankenstein's monster in a way. In a way, um, he was in uh, Shame. He was in X Men: First Class. He was in Steve Jobs and <laughs> Prometheus. I went with Michael Fassbender. So he's a fast bender, dude. My pick, um, this is a tough one because you only see Christopher Lee in the makeup, which, as we said, is not the greatest makeup, but he really leaned into the physical characteristics of this portrayal, right? And so I just I just kind of had to go with somebody who was leaning forward and looking at the camera the same way. <laughs> He's 36 now. His name is James Norton. James Norton is my pick Seems for the creature. And I wish I had some credits for him, but I don't. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. Mm-hmm. So thoughts on the curse of Frankenstein. I liked it for the reasons aforementioned. I liked it as well. I thought that the Peter Cushing portrayal like you were saying was especially good i liked it right on that brings us to the bonus segment which is going to be a battle royale between some heavy hitters we've mentioned tonight frankenstein's monster the wolfman dracula and the mummy well we have two undead Mm -hmm. i'm sorry three undead Aren't they all undead? Not the Wolfman. I would pick Dracula. I have a love affair with vampires, and I don't mean fucking Twilight and mm. all of this, you know, modern day bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the ones I've read about in books, Bela Lugosi, mm-hmm. like all of. Mm, Where do you something... fall on uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the 1990s one? I haven't seen it. Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. Mm-mm, I haven't seen Oldman. it. Gary Oldman as the Count. I haven't seen it. It's quite good. I will watch it. It's almost. Directed by it's, Francis Ford Coppola. It's almost quite good. I like it more than you, Sean. I think well, we've I'm established sorry. that many Keanu times. Keanu Reeves destroys that movie. Hey, I'm going to go with Dracula. He's in the midst of his woodenness. I'm going to go with Dracula. You're going Dracula. I'm going Wolfman because he is not undead. That's so gonna he be, can be killed. Well, he can be killed, but he's also got that power of life. And you always want the living thing to win, right? In these movies, you want the thing to, that's actually alive to win. So that's what I'm going with. Okay. And we want to wrap things up. I want to thank you, Chelsea, the regulator, from being here, hobbled and whatnot. Yes, I will do better with the untapped. It's just, it's really honestly been a crazy, like, few weeks. Forever. Um, Fuck you. 
<laughs> I meant you were going to take care of it forever. Uh, uh-huh. And then also, thank you to my co-host and co-producer, the engineer, the brew boss, Little Thanos. We got new mic stands. We got new cables. Yeah, we're sounding good, you guys. We're, I, we're living crossed. the life. Well, so you know, good. We had the we had the technical difficulties a few weeks ago. Thank you for bearing with us, Chop Shoppers. You know, we, we, we hopefully have nipped the problem in the bud. And do you know what next week's episode is sir alien abduction movies alien abduction movies so i do have a sneak preview question and answer for the listeners out there there's no trivia next week by the way there's no trivia week i'm gonna be taking a much needed vacation up in the mountains of Asheville. but this is your trivia question for this episode who starred as the main character travis walton in 1993's fire in the sky <laughs> <laughs> Wait, his name was Travis Walton as well? Yeah, okay, so the one in Old Yeller wasn't Travis okay. Walton. It was Travis like Olsen or something like that. I gotcha, like that. okay. So Travis. That's uh, why that was in my head. Was it the main character? The main character who gets abducted. Oh, that's... Um, his last name's not Cooper. D.B. Sweeney. D.B. Sweeney, was not D.B. Cooper. It was on the tip Sweeney. of my tongue, thank you, for the assist. Yes. And uh, are you aware of this, Chelsea? Did you know that? Have you ever Fire seen in the Fire sky? in the Sky? Oh, no. shit. Oh, you got to watch it. It's got Henry Thomas in it. It oh, scared fun. the fuck out of me when I was a kid. Came out in 1993. I was 13. Yes. And yeah. lived in New Mexico where yeah. alien abduction <laughs> stories run rampant. And it scared the hell out of me. There's but a- yeah, the great D.B. Sweeney, you would know him from The Cutting Edge with Moira Kelly. Yeah. All right, we want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. We are hosted online on podbean.com. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. On Twitter, we are at Cinema Chop Shop. We're Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook and at Cinema Chop Shop on Gmail and Instagram. And Untapped. We're Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped, where Chelsea's going to see murder everything. Finally, um, the audio version of this will also be on YouTube uh, hopefully with a picture that goes with it and then we want to say farewell to you the listeners don't forget to get that vax otherwise social distance and wear a mask and please remember to watch chop retrofit yeah do it (laughs) what